The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Pass is picked off. It's Nate Sudfeld into the game. He throws an interception on his first throw, and it's run in for a touchdown. Christian Kirksey for six. Indiana changes quarterbacks, and on the very first throw, Nate Sudfeld throws a pick six to Christian Kirksey. Kirksey's second interception of the year, and just like that, it's a 13-0 lead for the Hawkeyes. Make it 14-0. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This one features Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' home game against Purdue. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Purdue head coach Danny Hope. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs which include Marv Cook and Brent Balbinat, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast this week. The Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Eric Collins and Derek Rackley. A great job calling this game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about the play of his offensive line. Yeah, we had we had some issues last week, uh, last two weeks. It's it's not the same, you know, and that happens when you, when you lose players. But I think the guys have made the transition. You know, certainly discussed a week ago, we felt like the best thing to do was move Matt out to the left tackle position. Matt Tobin, he's done a great job here the last two years playing for us, and, and I think he's doing a good job. So we're a little bit more veteran on the edges than with James in the center. Yeah, and the big thing now is just moving the guards along, and they they. Had a tough challenge. Uh, you know, we said a week ago going into it, they had two excellent inside players, and they, they do. They're both excellent football players, and now the it's interesting, but uh, we, we match up against uh, a team right now that's got two excellent inside guys, too. Both those guys have played very well for a long time. Uh, they're a little different style player, but they're, they're both good players, and they're uh, they're huge. You know, they're both those guys are huge. Purdue's probably got one of the bigger fronts you're going to play against defensively, including their outside linebacker. He's a big guy, so they've got, they've got five big bodies up front. Ference was asked about the impact of this season season's record and play on his recruiting, including the possibility of going after some junior college players as a quicker fix. We've never said, uh, hey, we wouldn't look at a JUCO. You know, Eric Simmons came from Iowa Western last year. So we, we've had several. Uh, the reality of it is, and I'm just going off my, my history at this school, you know, junior college players don't, as a rule, always transition in as well, and, and uh, that hasn't been our mode. But uh, there are some schools where it's uh, probably more workable. But to answer the question, I mean, we, we're continually, it's a very uh, dynamic process. We're always evaluating and looking, you know, if you got X amount of scholarships left, you know, what are our best options? Where do we need to use them the most? And that's a very fluid process. So, uh, yeah, that, that 
that's always, you know, if we were 9-0 and right now, we'd be having the same discussions, you know, what's the best best way to fill out this class? And then, you know, it's not always as easy as that because, you you know, some things are out of your control in terms of making decisions, that type of thing, too. So it's, uh, you know, it's just something you're always weighing and measuring. But it's, it certainly is different, the, the early commitments. it's it, it changes things a little bit. Ference was quizzed again this week about his team's passing game and the apparent emphasis on short passes under offensive coordinator Greg Davis. Yeah, another question came up last year, like catches and out routes, and I wasn't thinking quickly enough, but, you know, the touchdown Keenan scored against Penn State was just a quick catch out there. You know, he one guy beat one guy, and that's a touchdown. Talking about explosives. And, and coincidentally, uh, you know, the play that Michigan State beat Indiana on at the end of the game is the same play to the left side. You know, they threw a quick ball out to the, uh, I believe it was their freshman receiver. He beat the DB and scored a touchdown. So, you know, I, I, I kind of get this, you know, concept stuff for, for short throws, long throws, all that stuff, but it's, it's really, you know, it's a little bit more interesting kit than that and I'm not trying to you know give a lecture or anything like that but there's passing games tend to you know the stereotype of the old Oakland Raiders Al Davis John Mad you know throw the ball down there 400 yards and you know had Olympic sprinters on the outside and that, that really wasn't far from the truth but I mean you know, yeah you, you try to you try to do what's best for your players uh, a and then also you try to do what's best for the situation there's a lot of thought and planning usually it goes into that so it doesn't always work out but uh, that's what you try to do that's what we tried to do that for 14 years first of all I'll say this and then Greg's a tremendous coach tremendous person really an outstanding coach most 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 coaches I've been around that are really good, and I've been around. You know, I've been really lucky in my career to be around a lot of good ones. You, you, for, you know, everything starts with what can your players do, you know, and that's where it always starts. No matter where you're at, what you're doing, you know. So if you're coaching well, you have to do that. So I think that's usually the the goal we have at the beginning of every week. You know, again, just kind of like the recruiting, it's a very fluid discussion. You know, who's doing what, and you know, what's your injury situation, all those types of things. Is but there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And Kirk talks about the play of his defense after three weeks of giving up big plays and lots of yards. I think all three of were really different uh, other than there's a common denominator is the tempo you know the way they do things three very very different attacks but the, again yeah the common denominator is they play really fast and that does affect you that's why people do it that's a uh, pretty prominent coach was complaining about it not complaining about it but made commentary on it a couple weeks ago and and uh you know i mean they've, they've been pretty successful all those teams have been successful against other folks as well I, I always tend to focus on execution and the things that we can do better and that's that's really what we're trying to work on right now is how can we play better and i, I thought we did a lot of things better last saturday but not good enough, clearly, to win. Next, we hear from Purdue head coach Danny Hope, who talks about the Iowa team his Boilermakers will face this Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. They're, they're a good football team. They're, they're, their season is comparable to ours in some ways, you know, where you look at them early in the season and then they, they have more players that are healthy and, and uh, really playing fast and physical and, and, and sure. And, and uh, you know, they were you know, a really good Iowa football team and, and they, they've had some injuries, you know, to run in that position. They've, they've had an unbelievable amount of injuries that they're running that position and they've lost a couple of key offensive linemen, you know, so they've had to kind of reshuffle the deck a little bit uh, offensively, and that affects uh, the, the play of their veteran quarterback, you know, a guy that I believe might have been the leading passer uh, in the in the Big Ten last year. So they have they have talent, and they play hard. Uh, they're the typical physical uh, Iowa football team. Uh, they stubbed their toe some the last two or three weeks. I think they've lost you know, three in a row in, in Big Ten a competition, and that can be tough. You know, they've had some guys injured uh, like we have. We've had some guys banged up. 
and you know all of a sudden you have some guys out there playing that may not be as effective as they can be you know so they hit uh, a tough point in time in the season and the same time that we have you know but they still are a very physical football team they do very well defensively I think they're rated in the top 40 defenses in the nation in regards to total defense I think maybe a 29 for something like that top 25 or 30 in regards to a scoring defense and, and uh, they are tough across the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and, and, and a good football team but like us they've had some rough studying the last couple of weeks. Hope talks about his do-everything player on offense, Rob Henry. Well, Rob's finally healthy, and that's a, that's a great thing uh, for our football team because he is one of our top athletes, very fast, very skilled, and he has good size. Uh, a lot of our top skilled players are average at best size-wise. You know, Rob's over six foot two and uh, probably weighs about 207 or 208 pounds, a very lean uh, build about him, but very strong. We even thought at one point in time about utilizing him as a, as a punt returner, and we've utilized him on special teams. But right now, he can do it all. He catches passes for us. We put him in the backfield so and he, and, he, and he does a good job running with the football. He has enough speed to get outside and, and enough physicality to run uh, between the tackles. And he's done a good job out on the perimeter as, as a blocker. You know, he, he tries to be a physical player. That's really important uh, out on the perimeter. And he's also taken snaps uh, throughout the course of the season uh, behind the center. And uh, in the last uh, couple of games, he's taken some snaps at the quarterback position and done well. You know, So two games ago against Minnesota, did some good, had a, a touchdown drive you know, at the quarterback position. So he, he can do it all for us, and, and we're not surprised. We always thought he was a pretty special athlete. He wasn't healthy when the season started. You know, he you know, tore his ACL in, in, uh, in camp prior to the 2011 season. And then when, when we opened up camp this past season, our two-day camp, you know, he still had swelling. And even going into the Notre Dame game, we uh, originally thought he'd be a big part of the game plan, but he wasn't ready yet. So he's really only been game ready from a confidence standpoint and a, uh, from a reduction of swelling standpoint for probably the last maybe three or four ball games. And so his role has increased and anticipate it uh, increased even more. Hope was asked about his defensive backfield star, Landon Fleichter. You know, he's been an awfully good player for us. Uh, you know, plays on special teams some. Has played on special teams quite a bit, but we've reduced uh, his action some on special teams because he's been you know, a regular uh, out there on the defensive side of the ball. But I think he always comes to play and is a very spirited player. Uh, runs well. He's got good speed and, and a lot of fight about him. And he's made some plays. He's had some interceptions and some pass breakups. And, and he's had uh, uh, some big plays for us. Uh, he gives up a little bit but from a Size standpoint, you know, we and we put him in position sometimes to where he's a guy that has to bring down uh, the, the biggest and the strongest of the runners, you know. And then sometimes he can give away a little bit of size, but uh, he's got a lot of fight about him. He's an awfully good football player and plays the game with a lot with a lot of spirit. And with rumors swirling about his firing at Purdue, Hope talks about the state of his program and his team at this point in the season. The status of the program uh, is in is in really good shape. You know, we have uh, committed our lives the last four years to. to making great progress in every phase of the program. And then there are many, many phases of a football program, whether it's uh, academic success or kind of player development, uh, recruiting what you have in place from an operation standpoint and, and also what you're able to bring in and uh, from, a, from a talent standpoint, you know, facilities. There's a lot of things about the program that uh, is sitting on all cylinders uh, right now for the first time in, in many years. You know, So I think the, the status of the program is good. The, the status of our team isn't real good right now. We have guys that uh, have been banged up and injured that are playing and and trying to help their, their team win, but they're not as effective as they have been in the past. You know, several uh, key players that have been injured and banged up, and it, it is tough. You know, they, they suck it up on Saturday and try to go out and play, but haven't been as effective as maybe they were at the beginning of the season. But uh, I think the status of our program is in good shape. I think we're, we have a chance to be maybe healthier this Saturday than we were this past Saturday. we got our fingers crossed so we can go out there and, and get uh, the game plan and stuff.
installed and get the guys the refs that they need, and at the same time, not to debilitate our football team anymore from a health standpoint. You know, so I think we uh, potentially could be healthier this Saturday than we were uh, this past Saturday. Uh, I think uh, as the game went on last week, we we, we got wore down some. Uh, we came out and started fast, you know, scored on our openers and, and, and played better on defense early in the ball game. But as the game went on, we weren't as effective across the line of scrimmage, and the other team was able to manufacture uh, some uh, big plays. And next thing you know, we were uh, behind by uh, a significant uh, margin. You know, but uh, I think our team will come out and work hard this week, and, and I think they've chosen to uh, to put all they can into having a, a successful season and, and doing everything they can to win. So I think we're okay right now from a mindset standpoint, uh, but but obviously it's, it's been some rough sledding, uh, you know, for our football team the last three or four weeks. Let's take a quick look ahead at this coming Saturday's game when Iowa hosts Purdue in the annual blackout game at Kinnick Stadium. The Hawkeyes will also honor veterans and military members in active duty with special pregame ceremonies, while the team will wear new Nike Pro Combat jerseys. Iowa comes into this contest on the heels of a three-game losing streak and an overall record of 4-5, and 2-3 and three in the Big Ten. Purdue is in even worse shape. The Boilermakers are 3-6, and 0-5 oh in conference play and suffering through a five-game losing streak. Purdue holds a 45-34-3 advantage in this series, but the Hawkeyes have won the last two games and five of the last six. In games played in Iowa City, the Hawkeyes lead 20-18-2. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 14th year with a record of 171. Purdue head coach Danny Hope is in his fourth year. Many say it will be his last, with an overall record of 19-27 with the Boilers. As Iowa fans know, this team needs at least two wins out of its last three games to become bowl eligible, Purdue must win out to do so. Last year's win in West Lafayette was Iowa's only road victory in the 2011 season, and realistically, this game against the Boilermakers is the last time Iowa will be favored in the regular season. After this weekend, the Hawks play at Michigan, then host Nebraska the day after Thanksgiving, and the Hawkeyes do not match up well with either of those two teams. Purdue is a team with a great deal of talent, but a team that has failed to live up to preseason expectations. One lose streak will be broken in Kinnick Stadium on Saturday, which one will say a great deal about the character of both the winning and losing teams. Excuse me. Excuse me. But, okay, but that's the last draw. Time now for the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook shows, this one with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Docterman, and you can listen to Scott on WMT Radio's pregame show three hours before every Iowa home game. Scott looks ahead at the Purdue game and more. Scott, as usual, before we turn to the next game, any last thoughts about the Hawkeyes' loss at Indiana? It was once again uh, an incomplete effort for Iowa on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think, to me, the, probably the most distressing thing for Iowa is rushing for only 96 yards uh, against a team that get, had given up 222 on the ground every uh, on average, which was by far the worst in the Big Ten. So Iowa could not establish the line of scrimmage uh, against Indiana, and very few teams can ever say that. So that's that's a real downer for the Hawkeyes. I think also Indiana really dictated the pace of play on offensively, 
which I think most people would have figured may be the case because they do have kind of a high-octane attack. Uh, but Iowa was unable to really slow them down. Uh, Indiana threw for 400 yards. Iowa's defense kept them in the game, but Iowa's offense, especially up front, against two very good defensive tackles, was unable to establish at the point of attack on the inside zone. And, and James Vandenberg had maybe one of his better games, but not really a good game. So another tough effort on the road, and Iowa really doesn't have margin for error, especially this week. So Iowa hosts Purdue now this Saturday. Your colleague at the Gazette, Mark Morehouse, called this the down-and-out bowl. Somebody has to break a losing streak. The Hawks are on a three-game losing streak, plus a three-week streak where one of the opposing offensive players has been named Big Ten Player of the Week. Purdue's on a five-game losing streak. Yeah, of the two, I think Iowa might be in a little bit better situation, and uh, that's even coming off three straight losses. If you look at Purdue, their aspirations were probably a little bit higher, at least the fan aspirations were, uh, and expectations more so than Iowa, because uh, in their division, there are four teams challenging for the divisional title instead of six, like in the Legends. So with Purdue last year, they went to a bowl game. They returned just about everybody. So, every, so Purdue has pretty high hopes. Now they have no hopes, and at the end of the year, they'll have no hope. Danny Hope being their coach. Uh, they've lost five straight. They really have played poorly on both sides of the ball. No consistency. They haven't played with a lot of heart other than a loss against Ohio State. They, this is their last stand to try to get to a bowl game. They're, they have to win out. It's possible, but the way they've played, it's almost impossible. However, with Iowa, we know what Iowa will do. They will play hard. They will try. They will play their best. Purdue, we're not sure what we're going to get. So in that case, I think Iowa generally, they'll give you a consistent consistent effort, they'll play hard, they'll play smart, and execute the little things. Uh, they may not have as much talent as their opponents, but we know what the effort's going to be. The Purdue, we don't know. And uh, that's why I think I like Iowa's chances, just maybe a little bit more than I would Purdue's. You mentioned Purdue head coach Danny Hope. He's in his fourth year, I think, preseason. He said, and as you said, a lot of their fans thought this was going to be his best team at Purdue so far. You've watched over the years other teams play Iowa where the coach was on the way out be interesting to see how Purdue's players react to that increasing commentary around their program. I think, yeah, I think it is very interesting, but this is a team that is pretty much underachieved under uh, Danny Hope. Uh, each of the last couple of years before this year, they've lost a game to a lower division opponent, uh, either a, you know, a non-F, uh, a BCS opponent, uh, Rice being one in the past, and having Toledo and a few others, so they have underachieved in a lot of games. I think we all looked at their first three or four games and they lost by a late field goal to Notre Dame on the road and, and beat everybody else kind of decisively. Scored 50, uh, or actually 48 plus in three of their wins. And we thought, hey, this team's got a chance. Then they just went out and laid an egg against Michigan. And this is one case where a schedule can kind of work against a team. They started out with Michigan, Wisconsin and Ohio State. And uh, when you play three good teams like that early and you don't win, it's hard to keep buying in if you don't have a strong character on your team. And uh, Danny O has not provided that type of leadership that most teams want. Or you, you need to have a good, successful team. So they have fallen apart. They lost at Minnesota in a game where I think the winner really has a chance to go to a bowl game and that be in Minnesota. But, but in three out of their five, they've gotten blown out and looked really poor doing it. Uh, Michigan and Wisconsin and Penn State especially last week against Penn State. Uh, they were lucky to have probably 15,000 people in their stands. That's something that's unacceptable at this level. If this game doesn't work out, it wouldn't surprise me if I hope may not even be the coach for the last two games. They have shown, however, this season that they can play teams close. 
Notre Dame barely squeaked by them. They played probably their best game of the year against Ohio State. You wonder cumulatively, like you're saying, those losses must really have taken a lot out of that team. Yeah, I think so. I think those losses, uh, you know, are tough to overcome, especially the Ohio State loss. Uh, they had that game wrapped up. Uh, they were up by eight points, you know, within inside of a minute to go, and Ohio State runs like the field, or he goes length to the field, scores a touchdown, ties it up with a two-point conversion, taking it into overtime. And, well, and let's face it, Purdue has some terrific athletes on their team on both sides of the ball. They have NFL caliber players um, on defense. You have the defensive linemen, Kawan Short, Bruce Gaston. Uh, they're NFL defensive tackles. Kawan Short may be a first round or two guy. guy. Ricardo Allen at, at cornerback, you know, he broke the Purdue record for most pick sixes that, that was set originally by Brad Woodson. Uh, their wide receivers are two of the best in, in the Big Ten, and, and O.J. Ross and, and, and Tavian Edison. Uh, and you look at uh, quarterback, they've got three veteran guys. Uh, I'll provide something a little bit different, but with that said, they just haven't put it all together, and it's too late to put it all together. They've shown the profile of what they are with five straight losses. And this is a team that just doesn't has no consistency at all, and really they're, they're kind of a rudderless ship. And teams like that with that kind of talent uh, don't last very long when they go to an environment where a team is going to and in Iowa we, we've seen Iowa too they've lost three straight but their effort has always been strong and they have good character at both from the coach and to the players so that's always a difficult time especially for a team like that traveling on the road against the opponent they probably aren't going to be that excited to play it's not an in-state rival it's not a, uh, a major opponent so coming you know five and a half hours away to play a game against a team they really don't care about it's hard to say if they're going to be excited or not you wonder how much of their difficulties, especially on offense, can be attributed to their instability at quarterback, primarily because of injuries to Robert Marv, who's their starter. He had another ACL. I think that's his third of his career. Caleb Terbush has played a lot, and Marv is supposed to come back in and start this week. But then they've got this player named Rob Henry, who apparently plays everything on the offensive side of the ball except offensive line. Yeah, they've had three quarterbacks now who have uh, who have started, have taken a significant steps over the last few years, and it just doesn't seem that any one of them can direct that the type of leadership and and success that they're looking for. I mean, Rob Henry has played uh, quarterback. He started uh, quite a few games back in 2010. Robert Marv, as we all know, the son of Eugene Marv, he played at Miami before transferring in, a great athlete. Uh, another ACL, as you mentioned, and Caleb Turbush, who handled most of the he started the season as the as the quarterback. He got suspended for violating team rules early on, and they played musical quarterbacks, and as we know, you know, in, in most situations, if you have more than one quarterback, you have zero quarterbacks, you know, unless you have a certain style uh, that's beneficial to doing that. So they haven't had the leadership they need from that position. They've had some success. I mean, Caleb Turbush has thrown for 12 touchdown passes, which is three times as many as Iowa's done for this year, but they just haven't been able to put it all together when it matters the most, and this is this is not a program like Iowa that's had a history of success in recent years where they can rely upon some of the trials and tribulations and keep moving forward. They, they went to a bowl game last year, but other than that, they hadn't been to one since, what, 2007. So it's going to be a struggle for them to get up for a game after losing five straight. You mentioned some of their offensive skill players, and A.J. Ross is second in the Big Ten in terms of receptions per game. They have a running back, Shavers, who's got four runs of more than 30 yards a season, and after the last three weeks, Iowa's defense has got to be a little bit worried about uh, big plays. Yeah, they do have a couple of big playmakers. Uh, Akeem Shavers, as you mentioned, rushed for about 500 yards. Uh, then you also look at, uh, I think it's Akeem Hunt, who is 
was uh, you know, he was returned to kickoff for a touchdown. A big play threat. They've got good wide receivers. Uh, you know, they had a guy Ralph Bolden who just uh, hasn't been able to stay healthy, and he's a terrific player as well. So they they have enough players, which is why in the very beginning of the season we were really thinking that they would be Wisconsin's primary challenger for the uh, for the leaders division title, and they have not been able to put it together. It's really surprising. They've got a good punter. They've got good defenders. Uh, the ones we mentioned, plus uh, Robert Macy, uh, you know, Fector, the strong safety, is leading the league in interceptions. You look at it and say, why is this team not successful? Well, they just, uh, I think you've got to take it straight to the top, and Danny Hope has not provided that type of leadership that's enabled them to be successful over a long period of time. On the defensive side of the ball, uh-oh, here we go, another Indiana team with good interior defensive linemen, particularly Kawan Short, who's among the best in the Big Ten in sacks and tackles for loss. They have a, a, a defensive back who's 12th in the FBS and leads the Big Ten in interceptions per game. And yet, here's another team. They give up 194.5 yards per rushing, which is second worst in the Big Ten. They keep thinking in the string of teams that Iowa plays that, that one of these Saturdays, the offense will get on court. You think so? I mean, and I keep thinking that each and every week, I mean, the last, uh, especially the last two weeks, I thought, okay, this is what is going to happen. Actually, dating back in all three of these losses, I thought that the, the offense was just getting close to, to, to kind of getting that explosive game that you were looking for. And for whatever reason, each and every week, they haven't been able to do it. I mean, they're a perimeter-based offense, and I don't, I'm not sure if that's the best use of the for their skill position players, but they obviously think so. And, but the results are the results. And when they're last in the league in pass efficiency and have been for quite a while, and you only have four touchdown passes, you start to wonder why. And uh, is it because of the lack of the skill position players, or is it the scheme, or is it the quarterback? I think there's a lot of questions there for Iowa to answer. The attacking Purdue is a dangerous as a dangerous uh, opportunity for Iowa because you have a couple of cornerbacks, and as I mentioned, Ricardo Allen earlier, uh, who are ball hawks. They are very good, and uh, if you throw the out pass, you better get it there because if you don't and it's not out of bounds, it could go the other way really quick. Likewise, as you mentioned, the interior, the defensive line, you know, at the point of attack is very difficult, and Iowa has shown ever since the injuries to, to Brandon Schur and uh, Andrew Nanel, uh they have really struggled on the interior at the guard position, and last week it was very apparent against Adam Verplogel and Larry Black. They, had, they couldn't block those guys set up, and this week they probably faced better defensive tackles. Kawan Short is an NFL player. He, he was a first-team All-Big Ten player last year. I assume he will be this year as well. He is a top two- to three-round type of player. He is going to be very difficult for them to block, especially Juan Juan, which negates a lot of their inside zone running scheme. Uh, Bruce Gaston, the guy Iowa wanted, didn't get. Uh, he, again, he's a very difficult guy to, to block. So we've talked about the talent. They've got a lot of talent. They just haven't been able to put it together. Purdue, that is. And you wonder, will this be the week that they can overcome it, or will this be the week Iowa finally explodes and does something? That's what Keenan Davis said. He feels like it's ready to do it. Well, there are many more opportunities left to do it. You saw some glimmers of hope last week at Indiana. Iowa's two touchdown drives, I thought, were two of the best drives they've had all season in that they were more balanced. Vandenberg was rolling out of the pocket a little bit more, which seems to be one of his strengths. And they had a little bit more vertical passing rolled into those two particular drives and then, for the most part, went away from it the rest of the game. But, I mean, it seems obvious that's how that offense is going to have more success, at least with this group of players. Yeah, they, they have to they have to change a little bit of this because, again, if you're throwing a uh, you know three-step drop, uh, three-yard out pass, that's 40 yards in the air to get three yards. And that's a, that's a challenging throw to make against, uh, and again, you, you airmail it a little bit, you underthrow it a little bit, it could go in a lot of different directions. 
directions and you're not happy about it. So uh, we, we did see him roll out a little bit more. I think that was good for him because it allowed the defenders to have to move with him. They couldn't necessarily stick to the receivers because the receivers were on the move as well. It allowed him to narrow the field, narrow his choices, and be on the move to do that. That was something that was good to see. However, it took Iowa more than a half to figure out that the inside zone running wasn't going to work against those two defensive tackles who were consistently at the line of scrimmage. I thought they had to look at a nice game running the football his first start since, uh, you know, had suffering passion in week three. However, uh, in, until they got to the outside, uh, it was not, the running game was not there. That was not his fault, but nonetheless, part of the running game. So I saw some, some consistency at times, but not enough consistency to make me think that this team is ready to take that step forward and have a breakout game. I don't know if it's going to come at all this year. More from Scott Docterman after this break. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brommel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Back to our conversation with Scott Docterman, who gives us his keys to the Purdue game and talks Big Ten and the Bulls. If you look at the stats, Purdue versus Iowa, statistically, Purdue leads in nearly every offensive category. Iowa leads in nearly every defensive category. So thinking ahead to this Saturday, what is your focus in terms of key players for Iowa offensively and defensively? Well, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but James Vandenberg is going to be the, the focal point, I think, for Iowa's offense. I mean, what can he do? How can he exploit Purdue? Can he exploit Purdue um, in the passing game? I mean, the passing game, it's, it's so far below broke, you just wonder what happened. And, and it really, it's, it's, a, it's a shock. I mean, I don't get shocked very often in football, but I get shocked thinking he goes for 25 touchdowns to four, you know, here three quarters of the season, you know, gone. So I think it's going to be a real key for him to do that. I think you look also at uh, on defense, the linebacker play really got taxed last week. I mean, I thought Christian Kirksey played a really good game, not not only just his pick six and his fumble recovery, but uh, he's, he's a quicker backer and he can really uh, get mix it up at, you know, both at the point of attack and on the fringes. But the two 
two guys that, you know, statistically are strong, but they just, they either aren't healthy or, or lagging behind at times are James Morris and Anthony Hitchens. And again, you look statistically, Anthony Hitchens is leading the league in tackles, but at times he's a little bit out of place. James Morris, he pulled back to the kid. He just seems to be, you know, he can barely walk. He's swollen from head to toe. And, you know, just, you, know, you wish he was healthy because he's really had a pretty good effort early in the season. Speaking of the linebackers, What's your reaction to the way Iowa plays nickel, where instead of doing what most teams do, take out a, a linebacker and put in an extra cornerback, Iowa leaves all of its linebackers in and takes out a safety? Well, you know what? They actually do take out a linebacker most of the time. They, they'll they More often than not, what they've been doing is taking a linebacker and a safety out. They'll take Anthony Hitchens off the field, and then they've been taking Nico Lauer before that, Tom Donatel, and they've been adding uh, Greg Castillo and Sean Draper. That's four corners, and then you have your safety, Tanner Miller in there. It's a little different, and then uh, it's something challenging to get used to. A lot of times, what teams will do is take out, you know, either on a three-three-five or or something more direct. But they've uh, early in the year when they were going to nickel, you know, they would just leave in the uh, all the, the the normal starters in the secondary and take Kitchens out and replace them with Castillo. Then later on, they were adding a couple of different pieces. But now they're going strictly with cornerbacks. It's it's been mixed. Uh, they've been caught, and uh, sometimes I think it's a little bit of fundamentals, not knowing where they are and other times it's it's just personality grouping hasn't been able to match up. Uh, last week for one of the big plays, Greg Steele was just uh, his back turned and got caught and really did take the play when Kofi Hughes went 77 yards. That was a, it was a huge, crucial play in that point in the game when it was a third down. Yeah, had he been there, you know, that he forces a punt. So that turns out to be a touchdown. So I don't know if they're completely comfortable with it, but it's something they have to get comfortable with because the rest of the Big Ten's not going to play on phone booth anymore. They're spreading out all over the field and make you guard every blade of grass. Iowa has to be there to do that as well. Prediction for Saturday? I have Iowa winning this game. I think Iowa at home, they're kind of sick of losing Losing, uh, obviously, but uh, you know, three and six Purdue team that's got more talent. I haven't seen them come out, and this is not the type of game where they come out and play hard. This is usually the type of team in the type of environment where they, they quit, and I'm suggesting that I think that's where they're headed. I like Iowa 24-16 to beat Purdue. Maybe the combination of the Nike Pro Combat uniforms and the blackout game will add a little extra to the team and the fans in this game. Big yeah, Ten? definitely. Big Ten thoughts this week? Well, uh, the Big Ten is, is kind of a <laughs> is kind of a rat's nest, to say the least, right now. I mean, with Wisconsin and Indiana are playing for the, the the right to play in the Big Ten title game. And the games at Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State are ineligible. I mean, and you think about it, you know, the Big Ten gets downgraded a lot. But if Ohio State was eligible for the national title, would they be downgraded? I mean, they're 10-0. They've beaten everybody. But I don't think they would be. It would create an interesting dilemma at the national level. But Wisconsin, to me, I think is probably the, the best out of those leaders teams. The Legends, I think, is interesting from a couple of standpoints that Nebraska could its destiny, and Michigan has the same record, but I think both are capable of losing games this uh, remainder of the season. Nebraska plays host to Penn State, as we saw. Penn State's a very efficient team, very efficient offense, and then Michigan, of course, they're playing Northwestern, and I think it's a very dangerous game for them. And then they close the year at Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't have a bowl game. They would love to beat the Wolverines on their way out the door to clinch 12-0. and So, and, and Nebraska coming to Iowa City. On paper, that doesn't look like a very edgy advantageous matchup for Iowa, but Nebraska is since joining the Big Ten has been pretty poor on the road, so 
I kind of wonder if Nebraska would come here uh, a little inflated. So, so the Big Ten is kind of, like I said, a rat's nest right now, and uh, I don't think it will we'll get any cleaned up until next summer. You make your bowl predictions every week, and right now the Big Ten has Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Northwestern already bowl eligible, Michigan State and Minnesota one game away, and then there's Iowa. Do you see that one upset at least coming that they'll need, assuming they win Saturday? It's it's possible. I wouldn't rule it out on this team, but right now, after losing three straight games against uh, you know against an Indiana and what have you, it's hard to really justify picking them to win two games. I can justify them pick, beating Penn State or Purdue, but I mean uh, Michigan and Nebraska. I think it's very difficult to project a type of win there. Is it possible? Absolutely. Neither team is unbeatable, as we've seen. Both are capable of giving up big points and, and lots of yards. But you know, but I, I think the best chance maybe the last game against against Nebraska. But at this point, it's hard to project Iowa going anywhere. I mean, they they've lost their their chance to to get any kind of benefit of the doubt this year with uh, Central Michigan and, and Indiana losing those games. To me, has kind of put them behind the eight ball, and I'll believe it when I see it. Hoosiers looking out for the pass here. Third down and a bunch. Hoosiers showing blitz. Now they back off. Vandenberg picked off. Intercepted Antonio Marshall. The Hoosiers bend, but they don't break. James Vandenberg throws an interception in the end zone. And what a break that is for the Indiana Hoosiers. The senior for Iowa gives it up to Antonio Marshall, much to the pleasure of Kevin Wilson and the Hoosiers. Hawkeyesmike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. You can call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.